welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson. It was a wild weekend of both regular sports and esports, so we are just going to jump right in as we always do. And since it's March, we're kicking off the show again with some college basketball. And I predicted about three upsets on last Friday's show. I said Auburn. I said Kentucky, and I said Baylor all needed to be careful. I was right about exactly one of them. Which, given how this season has gone, predicting one upset out of three attempts for an entire weekend worth of games is pretty good. At least I'd like to think so. And now I am definitely worried about Baylor. I am worried about their consistency issues. I'm worried about their ability to beat teams that play tough defense because sure they got the win against Texas Tech, but that's another very strong defensive team. They're obviously not as good as they were last year, but they're still up there. And West Virginia, same thing. A team that plays very tough, very physical. They've kind of modified their style a little bit from recent years, but they're not press Virginia anymore, but they are still a very, very physical basketball team. And Baylor has had issues with that so far this year. They've, and they've just had issues with other good teams. They got, they lost to Kansas, obviously and Kansas took the number one spot from them. And I am kind of worried about Baylor now because they've had, a not as great as they should have stretch recently. They've had a couple losses and a couple very close games that they squeaked out against teams who they probably should beat, like Texas Tech. And now, I know playing on the road in Morgantown is difficult. That place was rocking for that game. And of course, you got the the court storm because that was a big win. And West Virginia basically locked up a tournament spot with that win. I think they were probably already going to get in because they had a pretty good resume, but that win secured them a spot. They don't really have to everything. Anything that happens for them in the big 12 title is all gravy at this point. Like they pretty much locked up a spot with that win. And Baylor, in my humble opinion, needs to be really careful heading into tournament time. Like they're good. They're, they're in, but their seed is dropping into, like, danger zone range. Like, once you drop down below two or three, you're in upset range. Like, you're in, oh, we ran into a really good team from a smaller conference, so they didn't have the greatest strength of schedule, so they're a lower seed. And they played a really good game and beat us. Like... Once you drop below the three line, you're in danger of that happening to you. And I'm legitimately worried that could happen to Baylor now. Because they've got all the signs of it. They've got all the signs of a team that was really good all year and then kind of stumbles in March. And ends up becoming the wrong end of a Cinderella story. 
I don't want it to happen to them because I think they're a pretty good team and they're fun to watch, but it is a very real possibility that Baylor could be one of those teams this year because they've kind of been that team for the last month and a half-ish, really, ever since the new year. They've had a couple questionable games. Like They obviously went on the big run to start the year that pushed them to number one. They got the win at Kansas, but a couple weeks after the win at Kansas, they started to drop off. And then they lost at home to Kansas, so they kind of traded, and they're the two best teams in the Big 12, and they won on each other's home courts. Like That's kind of normal. But some of these other games, not so much. I wasn't worried about them before, but I am worried about them now. And... It's just kind of the way it goes. They haven't been playing up to the level I think they're capable of lately. They've had a couple rough losses and that very close game against Texas Tech that kind of makes me question them a little bit. I think they still have the talent to at least get to the Elite Eight, maybe the Final Four, but... The execution is where my question lies, because they've had execution issues, and that's what caused a lot of these losses. So I I haven't completely turned on them yet, like I have some teams, like Maryland I have still completely lost faith in. They got the big win against Michigan this weekend, but that was kind of the senior day thing. They have been much better at home this year, for the most part. That Michigan State game was was kind of embarrassing for them. So I don't really know. Like, Baylor has not reached that level in my mind yet where I just don't trust them at all. But my trust in them and their ability to make a tournament run has shaken a little bit. The other team who's kind of come up in my opinion, thanks to their performance this weekend, is Kentucky. Now, they were not doing amazing in that game. They had to come back from a 19-point lead, and Florida just completely blowing it definitely helped because part of that game is also on Florida just straight-up choking. Like, that is not... That was a a two-team effort to have a 19-point deficit comeback because Florida should have been able to hold that lead against a Kentucky team on the road without their best player. Because Higgins didn't travel with the team this weekend. He took some personal time off, which I get it. I totally understand. If I were a Kentucky fan, I'd rather have him right for the tournament than some random game against the Gators in Gainesville when your tournament position is already secure. Their spot in the tournament, much like Baylor, is already locked up. They are guaranteed to be in. They've been consistently good all year, other than that Evansville loss, which even I will admit they have left completely in the dust. Calipari didn't have to be such a jerk about it at the press conference when one of the reporters brought it up, but that was a different team. They were... They were injured up and down that roster at the time like that was a different team but looking at that game against Florida they probably should have lost they fought back and 
Florida totally collapsed. So two-team effort on that one. But credit to them for mounting a huge comeback without one of their best players. So my stock in Kentucky is a little bit higher. I admit that grudgingly, but I have to be honest with what I saw. They looked pretty good this weekend. And my stock in them is up. I still don't think they're as good as a lot of Kentucky fans claim they are. But that's just me because I don't necessarily trust Calipari's coaching abilities. I think I trust the team on the court more than I do him on the bench. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. Because Selection Sunday is six days away. And same thing with Baylor and West Virginia. Whatever happens for them in really the rest of their season and the SEC tournament is all gravy. Like Florida needed that win a lot more than that loss hurts Kentucky. Like losing that game hurts Florida a whole lot more than it would have hurt Kentucky. Like that would have been a huge win for Florida. That probably would have guaranteed them a tournament spot or at least given them a very good shot at it, depending on their performance in the SEC tournament. If they won that game and they just totally bombed out of the SEC tournament, maybe they wouldn't have made it. But if they had won that game and maybe won like one more game in the SEC tournament, they would have been in. Now they're a little more questionable because their record's not great. Their resume's not amazing because the SEC is kind of top heavy when it comes to when it comes to basketball. I mean, that's an every year thing. There's Kentucky and there's one other team. Last year, there were three. So good job, SEC. Uh, getting a little bit better at basketball, only to go right back down to two good teams. This year, that second team is Auburn, and they they just totally stuck it to my prediction this weekend. They walked the dog on Tennessee. I said they should have been on upset watch. I was wrong. They blew Tennessee out of the water. And fair play to them. I... I think that's also a pretty good team with, again, they have some serious consistency issues. They've had to mount a lot of comebacks. They've had to go to overtime a few times, but they have fought back in those games. So I'm not necessarily sure how I feel about them, but I think I think they're at least, they're not as good as they were last year. Same with uh, Texas Tech. Like, they're... Not as good as they were last year, so I don't know necessarily what their tournament picture looks like. I think they're a second weekend team. I think they're like Sweet 16, Elite 8 range. I don't think they're Final Four. I think they are Sweet 16, and if they get a favorable matchup, Elite 8. Like Depending on who they match up with in the Sweet 16 they could make the Elite Eight. And if they get a favorable matchup in the Elite Eight, they can make the Final Four. But it all depends on how the bracket shakes out and who is in their region and who they would have to play to get out of it and get into the Final Four. So I'll have to I'll have to wait until Sunday until I see what the bracket looks like. And, and then I will have a much more clear picture of of what I think their path 
through the tournament is. But as of right now, I'm pretty confident in saying they could and probably should make the Elite Eight. I think they are good enough to make it that far. And then, depending on who also makes it to the Elite Eight from their region, they could go one step further into the Final Four. And if they make the Final Four, they would probably lose there. I don't see them making the National Championship game because they'd probably match up with like a Kansas or a or a Duke. Like, that wouldn't be the best. They They would probably match up with a team who is significantly better than them and probably have a tough time if they were to make the Final Four. I'm not saying it's out of the question that they go all the way to the national title, but it's a long road for them. But credit to them this weekend. They uh, they proved my prediction wrong and destroyed Tennessee. And they they earned it. One of the other things that was going down this weekend was a few conference tournaments were happening. And I think it's the Atlantic Sun, the Mountain West, the Ohio Valley, and a few others. Uh, oh, the Big South. And I'm, there's one more who I'm just totally blanking on who all crown their champions over the weekend. And the big one was Utah State on just an insane buzzer beater, knocking out San Diego State. And that was another one. San Diego State, they were fine. They were top 10 in the country for most of the season. They were the last unbeaten team in the country. I think they've lost a grand total of three games now. Two, three games now. So uh, so they're fine. They're they're a lock to make the tournament. They're probably a three seed at the absolute worst. If they had won, they might be a two. But since they lost, they probably do drop down to the three line. Just because, like, Utah State may not have gotten in with without hitting that three and beating San Diego State in the Mountain West Finals. Just because the Mountain West was god-awful this year. The Mountain West was terrible. It was so bad this year. And that that helped San Diego State's road to an undefeated season considerably was them playing in a terrible conference. A lot, a lot like Gonzaga. Same thing with Gonzaga. Like, the, Gonzaga plays good teams in non-conference now because they have that kind of scheduling power where losing to Gonzaga doesn't really hurt a team that much just because they are considered a, a top tier program. And they've, they've earned that they've been the most consistently good team really over the past 20 years, 20 plus years now, because it started their run really kind of started in the late nineties. So they have enough pedigree to schedule good games in November and December that a loss or two in conference where it's just a total fluke that one of the bad conference teams plays a really good game against them and gets the upset, it doesn't hurt them all that much. San Diego State does not have that kind of power because 
The Mountain West was absolute trash this year, and they have only recently risen to being a really dominant team. So maybe in the next couple of years, they'll get better non-conference scheduling, but they were fine this year. So Utah State hitting that three may have stolen a bid from someone else. That's why that's why I'm a little concerned with Florida. Because Utah State did hit that three and win the Mountain West Conference Championship and get that automatic bid that was kind of penciled in for San Diego State. So now that that doesn't take away San Diego State's bid. They're still going in. It's not like they're going to the it's not like a top ten team in the country is going to the NIT. No, like they're still going to the big one. So that now that Utah State's in, that takes that spot away from somebody else who was maybe on the bubble a little bit. And having been a fan of many a Maryland team who was very much on the bubble, that's got to sting. Because I'm still moderately a Maryland fan. I know this year's Maryland team is fine. They've been ranked most of the season. They've spent a couple weeks in the top 10. They've had a few questionable losses, but most of the losses have come against good-ish teams. Like, Rutgers locked up a tournament spot with that win over Maryland. It's not like they were completely out of it and it was just a fluke loss to a really bad team and that's their best moment of the season. No, like, Rutgers is in the tournament now, so it is a loss to a tournament team. Same with Michigan State. But in years past, when they were sitting on the bubble, a uh, a team from a small conference that probably wasn't getting in, and they win the tournament, and the best team from that conference still has enough to quali- very much qualify for an at-large, and that, that other team taking your spot is not fun. <laughs> so uh, if Florida doesn't get in come Sunday and they find out it was Utah state who basically took their spot by winning the mountain West. They are going to be kicking themselves hard by blowing from blowing that big lead. Cause that's, that's a rough, that's like a rough pill to swallow. They'll, I think Florida will at least make the NIT. I think they had at least good enough of a season to manage that. But that's like it. Because I think they really needed that Kentucky win to get into the tournament. And now they're very questionable. And watch. They'll they'll win the SEC championship this weekend just to just to stick it to me. Because that's that's how it goes. And all the major conference tournaments start sometime this week heading through the weekend and it's it's going to be amazing like conference tournament week is basically the appetizer before march madness like the big conference tournaments even the small conference tournaments have been fun like the the NEC conference tournament has been am- the NEC tournament has been amazing the mountain west had an incredible finish the asun tournament was pretty fun uh, Winthrop, they're looking pretty good coming out of the Big South. I don't think they're going to be a 16, 
I think they'll be like a 14-15 range team, so they could maybe win a game because let's be real. I've Thankfully, my team does not play in the same conference as them anymore, but that Winthrop team, they aren't what they used to be when they were like the big dog killer, but they're still a really, really good team. Like Winthrop is still really good. I would not want to match up against them in the first round if if I were a fan of a team that's hovering around like that uh that three four line. Uh-uh. I wouldn't want Winthrop in the first round. Because they could absolutely win at least one game, maybe two, depending on the matchup. Because like they're legit. They got a good coaching staff at Winthrop. And they they got a pretty convincing win over Hampton in the Big South final, and that that building in Rock Hill was was just rocking. It was it was pretty loud in there. There wasn't a huge crowd either, but they were still making a lot of noise. And yeah, I'm I'm definitely a few years ago I hated small conference teams because I felt like they all they all screwed Maryland out of a spot. And my eyes have been opened. I appreciate smaller conference teams now, now that I've graduated from a a school that plays in a god-awful conference. Like, I can appreciate those teams now because when you have a really good team in a not-great conference, you have to worry every single game. Because... Your strength of schedule is not good enough to get in that large bit, even though you are probably good enough to be a tournament team. Like every single game, you have to worry, and that and it's not fun. So when these guys get into the tournament and they and they win a game or two, like look out, and especially with all the upsets we've had this season, I wouldn't be surprised if a few big names are out by the end of the first weekend. I really wouldn't just because of how insane this season has been and how good some of the smaller conference tournaments have been. I wouldn't be surprised at all just because like parody has taken over college basketball and this tournament season is going to be so much fun. And I'm I'm buckled in and ready to go. Like I am strapped in and ready to go for tournament time. I have no clue who the final four is going to be. In years past, I've had kind of an idea, and it's like, oh, well, I need to see the bracket first, see who's where. Now, I think even when I see the bracket, I and I make my predictions, I will not have that much confidence in those picks at all just because this season has been so unpredictable and I'm so ready for March Madness to start but that's it for college basketball up next we take a look at a a semi-crazy weekend in the Overwatch League that's up next here on the mashup alright we're back time for some Overwatch and this weekend went kind of how I expected it to because I thought 
this meta would definitely help Houston. And I was absolutely right because they dunked on Paris. Dunked on them. With the advantage of being able to play like just straight dive, which they are probably better at than uh, May McCree. Like playing just full on dive definitely helped them because they just absolutely dunked on Paris dunked on them it was kind of sad actually i felt kind of bad for paris because they fought okay but houston just houston just took it to him because if you can only get one point on eichenwald what are you doing that is that is definitely an attacker friendly map like first point on eichenwald is pretty easy to take. Second point on Eichenwald is probably one of the more balanced in the game. And third point on Eichenwald is next to impossible because there's a lot of choke points there. But if you can't get second point on Eichenwald, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, other teams have, other teams have been in that particular situation but still, if you seriously can't get the third point or the second point on that map, you don't deserve to win. Like, it's not the easiest point to take, but it's also not that difficult because you have pretty heavy spawn advantage for most of it until like the very, very, very end. And you should be able to win at least a fight on the bridge as the attackers. Because at some point, you'll have alt advantage. And Lucio was still playable this week. Boop, 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 boop. You have FD God. That is one of the best areas in the game for environmental kills is that bridge. Outside of like, outside of basically anywhere on Elios, that's one of the best spots in the game for environmental kills is that bridge. And if you can't even take second point against Houston, you don't deserve to win. Of course, they would go to map five with the fusion on Sunday and probably have one of the best series of the year. But at the same time, they were up 2-0. I know Fusion are probably the top dog in the league right now. But if you're up 2-0, you got to put them away. I know they came back and they won on map 5 because their DPS duos were playing much better. Which I will give them. They were. And XZ impressed me without McCree in that one. He's probably very happy heading into next week that he gets McCree back because... Uh, Let's be honest, uh, we'll get to it a little bit more later, but the week six hero pool sucks. <laughs> the week six band pool is terrible. I knew when we got a really good one for week five, that week sixes would be really, really, really bad. And turns out I was right. Turns out I was absolutely right. But... The big thing I noticed this weekend 
is two things. Is Boston are really, 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 really bad. Boston Uprising are absolutely terrible. They saw that this week, Diva Winston was going to be the meta. Like, straight up. Diva Winston was going to be the meta for this weekend. Atlanta didn't do it either, but they're a lot better than you, Boston. So, uh, maybe stick to the meta. They decided to play Sigma. Why? Right now, in the current patch you are playing on, Diva is way stronger than Sigma. Why are you playing Sigma when Diva is available to you? May wasn't banned out. And a couple teams were playing Farah. So, uh, who, let's be honest, Diva is her real counter, not McCree. Because McCree's a good counter to Farah. Diva's a great counter to Farah. Why would you not play Diva? Like, May was still in the meta. I know a lot of teams weren't playing her because they couldn't play McCree with her, and they synergize a lot better than she would with really anyone else. But why were you playing Sigma? And when it wasn't working, you were sticking with him. Like, you... You make decisions that completely baffle me, Boston Uprising. Completely baffle me. And... I think since that seven-map abomination they played with the Outlaws a couple weeks ago, they have only gotten worse. Houston's gotten better since then. I know they had the advantage of playing at home, but... Houston has gotten a lot better since that disaster of a game. Boston has looked much, much worse since then. And I could see them still plummeting because they have a game next week against Florida. The games next weekend are in Miami. They're at the U. They're at University of Miami next weekend. So Boston is going to get dumpstered again by the Florida Mayhem, who are also not an amazing team. I mean, they beat Toronto, and my opinion of Toronto has been falling rapidly the past couple weeks. And, I mean, my opinion of Boston is already near the bottom of the league, and it is still there. But my opinion of Toronto is falling off very rapidly because you can't go losing to Florida. You, you just can't go losing to Florida at all, really. Like, you probably should beat them. You have the talent to beat them. You have overall better players. You should have beaten Florida. You should not have lost to them in four games. And now Florida's going to absolutely dumpster Boston next weekend. Who's Florida's other matches with Paris. Paris is going to be good again next week because the the meta shifted back in their favor with the bans for week six. So, like, Boston is screwed next week because they're probably going to try to get cute and play off meta again, and it's it's going to destroy them because they're probably going to try to play Sigma again. And it's not going to work because uh, Diva's still available for next week. 
and people are probably going to be playing May again because she's back in, and she's still in. And now that McCree's back, we're probably going to go back to what the meta was at the start of the season with McCree, May, Roadhog, or not Roadhog, uh, Reinhardt, D- Reinhardt Diva, and then supports are going to be on end break. You might see a little bit of bunker just because Winston is banned out. So you may as well run Arissa and just go like pure double shield with Arissa and Reinhardt. I hope not too many teams do that. I could see, I could see maybe Atlanta pulling that because they're going to be in Miami. They're going to be the villains anyway. So they may as well, they may as well pull just straight double shield bunker comp with like Baptiste on support just for the heck of it. Because they probably would totally do that. Because they were playing Bunker all weekend when everyone else was playing Dive. They, Atlanta Atlanta played Bunker. And they stuck with it in their match with Boston. Even though the meta this weekend was very much Dive. So maybe they're not as versatile as they claim to be. And... If if in a couple weeks the meta flips on them, they're going to be in big trouble. Because for week seven, they're hosting. And if the meta flips on them in week seven and maybe Arissa gets banned out, because she's probably going to have a pretty high pick rate in week six, just because, just because Winston's out. And... Lucio's out, so the supports kind of lend themselves to running bunker. But if the meta flips on them in week seven, they are in trouble because I really don't think they're all that versatile. Because when dive was like the main option, they didn't do it. And I mean, it worked for them, but again, they were playing Boston, who is the worst team in the league. The other team I I definitely have a bone to pick with is the Washington Justice. I was pretty high on them coming out of the first Philly homestand because they looked pretty good there. They looked very good there, actually. And then they come home and they got sick and they got wrecked their first homestand a couple weeks ago. This week, they... Stomp Boston because, of course, they did. Everyone's going to do that this year. Boston is not that good. But then they absolutely dominated the control maps against NYXL. Like, they dominated on Nepal. They were they looked like the better team. And then, boom, gentlemen sweep. Okay, where did that come from? And they looked lost on every other map in that series. They looked lost on Dorado. They looked really lost on King's Row. And they looked just defeated on Horizon. They looked really bad on Horizon. They looked eh on Dorado. They were not great on King's Row. And they just got wrecked on Horizon. That's another one where if you can't take the first point on Horizon Lunar Colony, you don't deserve to win. That's a hard-to-defend point, because there's a lot of angles you can attack it from. 
if you can't win the first point on, if you can't take the first point on that map, you don't deserve to win. I I get not taking the second point because spawn advantage on that map is ridiculous on point two. Like point two spawn advantage is absolutely insane. It takes like five steps to get from the defender spawn room to the point. It takes no time at all. And when a lot of people are playing Lucio, it's even easier. So I get not being able to take the second, but not being able to take the first where there's about like five different angles you could attack that thing from. You could attack it from, from high or low straight ahead. You could attack it from high or low on the left and the right. There's six different angles you can attack that thing from. How did you, and you can attack it from the back. There's seven. There's seven ways to hit that thing. How can you not even take the first point against a team in what should have been a not favorable meta for them? Because look at the history of the NY of the New York Excelsior. They're kind of passive. This weekend should have favored you, a very aggressive team. But now, you probably should have gone 2-0 this weekend. You were at home, the meta favored you, and you were against two teams you probably could have beaten. Because, like I said, I don't think New York are all that good. I think New York are questionable at best. But Washington totally choked this out. And they've done that a couple times now this season where they have had winnable situations and completely blown it. It happened a couple weeks ago against against Paris and really against London. Like map five against London where they had where Roar had the big slam in overtime and they took the point back. They didn't win that map. Like Overwatch League keeps showing that as a just an amazing highlight because it was a great play. It was a really great play, but Washington still lost that map. And because of that, they still lost the series. So they need to do some serious soul searching because they keep choking winnable situations because at home, they probably should have destroyed London. And they probably should have beaten NYXL because they, they took the control map very easily, they probably should have won that series. But they completely choked it. And they looked lost on Horizon, especially. Like, they looked bad. So, they haven't fallen as hard in my mind as Toronto has. But they're starting to slip a little bit in my personal rankings of the Overwatch League. Houston's working their way up. Paris, I have no idea. It's really hard to tell because half the league still hasn't played, or a quarter of the league still hasn't played yet. So it's it's really hard to tell who's who. But I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking Washington's going to be that team this year where they uh, they frustrate their fans by completely choking out in winnable situations and just looking really awful in the process. I could absolutely see that being them because they've done that a couple times now. And both of them have been at home. 
So we'll see what happens with them in the next couple of weeks. But right now, I'm not super confident in them. They got Toronto next week in Miami, and they should win that. They've actually been better away from Washington than they have in Washington. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to do against Toronto in in this current hero pool because I think Toronto will be back to form kind of with access to McCree and still having access to May and having Reinhardt again and being able to play a slightly more defensive comp instead of the much more aggressive setup that the hero pool this week lent itself to. So I'm interested to see what they do against against uh, Toronto next week. They, I I still think they should win it because, like I said, Toronto is not that good. But I'm questioning that one. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see Toronto win. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And uh, for the actual breakdown of this week's Hero Pool, it sucks. <laughs> This week's hero pool is terrible. Winston, Lucio, Soldier, and Sombra are banned out. Soldier hasn't seen like any competitive play in two years, and he immediately gets banned out. The the catchers were joking when they pulled him that uh, he's a little bit older, needed to give his knees a week off. Which feels right because he comes back into competitive play for a week and then just immediately gone. That also feels very fitting with his story too. Just like the lore of that character in game feels very, very fitting. And I hate that Sombra got banned out and May didn't because now we're just going to go right back to McCree May next weekend and Lucio got banned out. Lucio is one of my favorite supports. Like he is my favorite support. He's my go-to when I play support. And now he's completely banned out in pro play for an entire week, which is just tragic because he's such a fun hero to play. He's a really fun hero to watch. Thankfully Paris won't be. in Miami, so we won't be robbed of watching FD God play Lucio next weekend. Just because he's he's not there and he won't be forced to play anyone else. But this week's hero pool absolutely sucks. I I'm not super happy with this one because it's gonna lead to much more defensive, like double shield, kind of running a bit of a bunker thing. You may get some pirate ship on payload maps just because you can, because you have two big shields and you have, it'll probably be Anna and Brig or Baptiste and Brig. So you you might get some Bastion this week. (laughs) That'd be kind of interesting. Get, get some Bastion and people just run pirate ship strat on, uh, on payload maps. That probably won't be very fun to watch. It's really fun to play in just like in like quick play or 
uh, competitive queue in the retail game, but watching it in pro league is not fun. I hope, uh, I hope nobody tries that next weekend, but maybe Boston will just because they, they do everything wrong. Ugh. But overall, th- this weekend was actually good. We got a lot of good games out of this weekend. I don't know what we're going to get next weekend with uh, that band pool of heroes. With with Sombra and Winston and Lucio out of the pool. That's going to that's gonna be not as fun to watch as this weekend was. But that's it for the Overwatch League. Switching back over to traditional sports for the next segment we're going to talk some nhl we'll be right back here on the mashup all right time to switch it up again and talk some nhl and i know college basketball is kind of at the forefront of my sports mind right now just because march madness is literally a week away it is next week and i'm really excited The NHL playoffs are hot on the heels of that, and I gotta say, I'm really excited for that too, mostly because it's getting spicy in the regular season right now. It's getting super spicy because the Penguins are playing like absolute trash, and I would be lying if I said I'm not enjoying it, (laughs) because let's be real, I am. And Sunday was just the icing on the cake. They were, they were down, they were down three, two. And suddenly the hurricanes exploded on them and they lost six to two. It seems like everyone else in at least the Metro division, especially because they, they play them enough now has, discovered the secret playbook that was not all that secret because both of these teams were using it in the playoffs too, have discovered the secret to beating the Penguins. And again, I don't know how it took them this long because both of these teams used it in very high-profile playoff series that the Flyers and Caps have been using against the Penguins for years is get physical with them, but do it cleanly, and they have zero clue how to respond. That's it. That's all you have to do, is play just a little bit more physical than you normally would with them, and you're golden. They will get frustrated. Malkin will take a stupid penalty. Crosby will start crying to borrow a gaming term, they'll get tilted and then they lose. It is a simple formula. The Flyers and Caps figured it out years ago and have uh, used it to varying levels of success. Uh, The Flyers in recent years were not good enough to use this particular strategy effectively. That has changed and I'm very happy with that. Because it's a simple strategy. Just hit them. They don't know how to respond. And, like, they... Think about it this way. They blew up their entire team 
to try to find a counter for Tom Wilson. It still didn't work. They don't know how to play physical without taking stupid penalties. That that has been the book on them for years. I don't know why it is taken until the 2019-2020 season for everyone else to figure it out that all you have to do to beat the Penguins is hit them. They'll get frustrated, they'll take stupid penalties, and they'll start giving up bad goals. Simple. It's so easy. And I'm glad other teams have figured it out because I don't like being the one of a fan of one of the only two teams that could reliably do anything to the Penguins. I had to count on the caps because even the Flyers couldn't do it the past couple of years. Now, everyone has, it seems like those two teams have shared this playbook with their other Penguins hating friends of the Metropolitan Division. And the, the knowledge is spreading around of how to really beat this team. Because, like I said, I don't know how it's taken this long. Like, in the 2012 playoffs, it was very clear. In, uh, what year did the Caps win? They won in 2018. Two years ago. 2018, the Caps did it in the playoffs against the Penguins. They got physical with them. The Penguins got tilted. The Caps won the series. Done. And that was in a later round series. That wasn't a first round match. That was a later round. And they finally got over the hump. They had finally destroyed their kryptonite by discovering the kryptonite of their kryptonite. And finally, some other teams have figured it out. And I'm very happy with that because... Anyone who knows me and my hockey opinions knows I hate the Penguins with a burning, fiery passion. And I enjoy watching them lose. And just given current playoff standings, it also helps my team that the Penguins are losing. It helps my team a lot. Because they're chasing them. And the more distance between second and third place, the better. And... The Caps aren't playing that great right now either. They've gotten a little bit better, but they aren't playing that great either. I mean, the Metro division is absolutely stacked. It's the best division in hockey this year. But the Caps aren't playing well. The Penguins are really slumping, and the Flyers are on fire. It's great. Like, if... Especially Philly fans, Philadelphia fans. If you are not on the Flyers bandwagon yet, come on board. Because this is the best this team has been in a long time. Because they have scoring depth, goaltending, veteran leadership. Something they haven't had the past couple of years. Because under department store Dave Haxtall, they did not have scoring depth. Because he didn't think that was important. They had barely any scoring at all. And Ron Hextall didn't think Carter Hart was NHL ready. Well, as soon as he came up, he proved that wrong. He's really proven that wrong this year because, let's be honest, the Flyers' last game, they did not play to the level they have been playing since really the new year. And they still won by three (laughs) because... Carter Hart played out of his mind 
and Claude Giroux was the veteran leader the team needed that night, and he picked up two goals. And he was basically the and the two of them were the reason the Flyers won. So, especially for the Philly fans, if you're not on the bandwagon yet, for the love of God, get on the bandwagon because it's about to be a fun two and a half months <laughs> between now and whenever the playoffs are over because right now they're one of the best teams in the NHL. I mean, I know anything can happen in the playoffs, especially the NFL, the NHL playoffs. I know anything could happen, but right now a team this hot with a hot goaltender at the exact right time in the season, you want your goaltender to start getting hot. Get on board because it's about to be a fun two months between now and the end of the season. Because look out because the, the Flyers train is coming. So look out everyone else in the NHL. And two other teams who I am not discounting at all is Tampa Bay and Boston. I mean, let's be honest. The Atlantic division kind of sucks. <laughs> That's why this is very disappointing that it won't be a first round matchup. Look, they're, they're one and two in the Atlantic. They're probably going to win their first round. They're probably both going to win their first round and will then play each other in the second. But given what Tampa did in the playoffs last year, I'd like it to be a bit more of a guarantee because anyone who remembers what they did last year, they uh, remember they basically started coasting in January because they were guaranteed the president's cup or the president's trophy. They were pretty much guaranteed the president's trophy in January, coasted their way through the rest of the regular season. Didn't do much to sure up at the trade deadline. And then first round, boom, swept. So forgive me if I don't really trust Tampa Bay in the playoffs because I want this series to happen. I want Tampa Bay Boston to happen in the playoffs so bad because they got in two massive fights in the same week in two different games because the first game they played in Tampa, they had a game in between, but they played each other in Tampa uh, last Tuesday and then they played again on Saturday. They had a, they both had a game in between Tampa played Montreal, Boston played the Panthers. So they both had a game in between to cool off and then immediately things erupted again. First game in Tampa, one of the guys from Boston, I want to say it was, or one of the guys from Tampa, uh, takes a bit of a late hack at, at Tuka Rask. I, I assume it was Patrick Maroon because he just seems like the, the tough guy who would do something like that because that's Patrick Maroon's game. And uh, Nordstrom from the Bruins gets in his face about it and things just explode. Full-blown line brawl right around the goal. But it didn't stop there. A few days later, up in Boston, they're playing each other again, and Tampa comes so close to making a really good defensive play because the puck was very much sitting in the crease, and it was trickling across the line, and one of the Tampa defensemen grabbed it and tried to clear it out. Ref said no goal. Um, I watched the replay enough times. He was wrong. That puck was very much in the net. And... Game, uh, play continued because the initial call was no goal. So play kept going. And then the siren went off at TD Garden. 
which basically says, no, they saw a goal in Toronto, so we got to find a way to stop play. So they hit the goal siren, and it went to Toronto for review, and watch the replay. It is very clear. That entire puck is over the line. That is a good goal. And that cut the Tampa Bay lead to one, and as soon as the siren goes off and play stops, just total chaos. (laughs) I mean... Sean Corrales deserves a beating at pretty much any occasion because he's he's kind of a dirty player. But Patrick Maroon just squaring up to Zdeno Chara. Like, props to you, dude. Like, Patrick Maroon, the big rig, is a big guy. Zdeno Chara's bigger. Z- Chara had a good, like, three, four inches on him, and they squared up, and Maroon won. He, he took Chara straight down to the ice after uh, some... Pretty scrappy fight and just just chaos. White and black jerseys everywhere. Same thing with Tampa. Blue and white jerseys just falling all over each other on the ice. It was pretty great. <laughs> I have to admit, as a fan of uh, the more physical rivalry, let's go kill each other type of hockey, I'm all for it. I really want this to be a first-round matchup, but it probably won't because the Atlantic division kind of sucks. Like, they're both so many points clear of even third place in their division, let alone the wild card. Like, they they haven't officially locked it up yet, but they're one and two in the Atlantic, so they're not going to play each other in the first round. Which, for fans, is unfortunate because (laughs) after what happened last year, I don't trust Tampa to make it out of the first round. I think they, they should on paper. They should, but will they? I don't know. They definitely, uh, they should have been at least in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. But they got swept by the Blue Jackets in the first round as the number one overall seed in the entire NHL. So I hope they can win the first round and we get more of this between them and the Bruins in the playoffs because that would be amazing. Thanks a lot, Atlantic Division, for being just absolute trash that the rest of that division can't threaten these two at all, at least in the standings. So, yeah, I want this matchup to happen in the playoffs so bad it should be in the second round. So uh, both of them need to take care of business in the first round. Don't get softened up by whoever they end up playing because that... uh. That wild card's a little bit questionable. The wild card in the third spot in the Atlantic is a little bit shaky. So, hopefully, whoever they end up playing in the first round doesn't soften them up too much, so they're willing to beat up each other in the second round and soften them up for whoever they meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. Which, uh, if my bias isn't abundantly clear already, I'm hoping is the Philadelphia Flyers. But I re- I really want this series to happen. Just as an as a semi unbiased hockey fan, because these two teams they're super talented and relatively different stylistically. So that would just be a fun series. Period. Not to mention the fact that they hate each other's guts. So please, I really hope this series happens. Get what you got to get done in the first round. And then go beat each other up in the second for everyone's amusement. 
please, Boston, Tampa, please do this for me. Anyway, that's what I've got for NHL. One more segment left. We'll talk this weekend's action in the Call of Duty League and wrap up the show. That's up next here on the mashup. All right, one final segment before we wrap up the show. And I have to say, Cod League had a pretty great weekend this past weekend in LA. Like, this was a lot of fun to watch. This was a whole lot of fun to watch because there were just, there were a lot of good games. There were some surprises because, I mean, Optic LA made the semis against Dallas and, for the most part, hung with them. Okay, sure. That's That was definitely a surprise going in. I did not expect Optic to make it that far. I think the whole uh, Florida being without... Florida being without uh, a certain someone really helped their their abilities to uh to make it that far because if Prestini was there which I totally get why he wasn't it seems mental health related and if that is the case I'm glad for him that he did take this weekend off and they've got a couple weeks before they've got two more weeks between now and da- they've got over two more weeks between now and Dallas so like they've got time to to rest like if he if he is ready to go by then that is a big boost to Florida's chances out in Dallas at the end of the month because Florida's first match out there is against Toronto. They could probably win that without Pristini because Toronto is still terrible. So are Los Angeles Gorillas. They are still bad. But Optic LA, they I think improved significantly this weekend. Like they three owed Minnesota, which uh, given how I feel about Minnesota right now says a whole lot because Minnesota beat Atlanta phase and they were, and they were down, they were down two one and they still won maps four and map five. That, that finish on Ramaza was absolutely insane like that was just crazy and then on Piccadilly they they just took it to him like they they gave Atlanta a taste of their own medicine in search on Piccadilly and like they hung with them on Gunrunner but Atlanta is just that ridiculously good and then like winning winning hardpoint on Ramaza with as close as it was they just rode that momentum straight through to the win on Piccadilly so I think it's time to drop the dark horse from dark horse title contender when it comes to the Minnesota rocker. Like they are in the top four Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Minnesota. Like that's the top four right now, both in standings. And that is an accurate breakdown. It's not like anyone fluked their way into a top four spot in the standings. They are the four best teams in the league. And I mean, I don't see anyone who can dispute that because Cod League is deep, but right now they are the four best teams. And 
that was proven in the championship match because Minnesota hung tough with with Dallas in that one too. Like they were down, they were down 2-0 and they set it up for the verse reverse sweep. They had another crazy finish on hardpoint, the same score that they had against Atlanta in the semis against Dallas and then Dallas was like, "Okay, we're a team loaded with Call of Duty veterans." It's time to remind these children who runs this game. And they just took it to him on Gunrunner. Which, fair, Dallas is a ridiculously good team. And this weekend, they finally played up to their potential. And now, in a couple weeks, they get their home event. And there are some good teams at this particular event. But looking at the breakdown of groups... Group B is a whole lot better than Group A in Dallas. Just a just a little preview. Dallas's first match is against the LA Gorillas, who, despite changes to their roster, still kind of suck. And despite changes to one of the two LA teams, are still one of the worst teams in the league. And the other Group A mat- first matchup is Florida versus Toronto. Hmm. Give you a wild guess who's coming out of Group A on for Sunday that week. It's going to be Dallas and Florida. Like, there have been upsets. There's no way Toronto and Gorillas are going to pull that off. Group B is significantly better because you have Chicago, Minnesota, Paris, and then Seattle who have improved but are still not great. Like, Seattle is still not amazing. They got dumpstered by Minnesota. And their only win on the weekend was Los Angeles Gorillas, who, as previously mentioned, are just straight trash. (laughs) Them and Toronto are fighting for worst team in the league. Because I think with some of the roster changes New York made, they might get a little bit better. And they have looked a little bit better in some of their games. Right now, Toronto and Los Angeles Gorillas are the two worst. And I think that's pretty fair to say. But the Sunday finals, like props to Optic for even making it that far because I definitely did not expect that from them coming into the weekend. Like moving Dashy to SMG did wonders for that team. Like if you sweep Minnesota, who had a coming out party this weekend, that is the only blemish on. Minnesota's like, no, we belong in the conversation of elite teams. You swept them and dropped them into the loser's bracket. So, clearly, Optic was doing something right. And and then they ran into Dallas, who are significantly better than them. But they played well in that series against the Empire. Like, they didn't look out of place there. They looked like they weren't as good, but I didn't feel like they didn't belong in the game with them. Like I never felt like they were out of place because sometimes with some of the bad teams, they absolutely look out of place on stage with the teams they are playing against. Like, like gorillas usually look out of place. 
with whoever they are playing against because they are just terrible. They're really bad. Same thing with Toronto and, to a lesser extent, New York. They don't look like they belong out there. Optic never really looked like that against Dallas. They just looked like they weren't as good as Dallas, which is fair against the who is probably the third best team in the league. Because I don't think Dallas would have beaten Atlanta if Atlanta had gotten past Minnesota. Like, Dallas is playing really well this weekend. I don't think they would have beaten Atlanta had that semi between Atlanta and Minnesota gone the other way. If Atlanta had won map five or had just won that series period, I think they do beat Dallas and take two weekend events in a row. Now Dallas has a very good chance to take two weekend events in a row because looking at the layout for the next event, they're most likely going to play Chicago in, in the finals on Sunday. But I said that about Atlanta, that it was going to be Atlanta, Chicago, and it turned out to be Atlanta, Florida. So it, it could end up being Dallas versus Minnesota again, because I mean, why not? Like Minnesota is that good. Like ASIM ridiculously good. He's really, really good. God RX is insane, both with an AR and with a sniper rifle. Like, Dude is legit. Like they have a really good team in Minnesota and they get another home weekend in May. And from what I've seen with the watch parties, I think the crowd in May is going to be a lot better than it was about a month ago for launch weekend. I think it's going to be a lot better because their watch parties have been absolutely insane. And the team has proven to be pretty good. That crowd is going to be nuts come May 9th is when that event is happening. So that's going to be absolutely insane. I'm really looking forward to that one. I mean, I know that's a ways off. It's like two months. That's two months off. So it's it's a ways away, but I'm really looking forward to that series because like Minnesota really impressed me this weekend. I I knew they were good coming in. I didn't realize they were this good because they are, they're for real. Like I thought coming into the season, it was going to come down to Chicago and Atlanta. And especially after Dallas kind of stumbled out of the gate, I was like, all right, it's between those two. Everyone else is fighting for third. Nope. Dallas is in the conversation and Minnesota is in the conversation now after this weekend, because they both played ridiculously well. Like Shotzi and Illy and Clayster and Crimsix, they are, they belong in the conversation with Simp and Major Maniac and Abizi and Scump and Formal and Gunless and Arcees. Like these guys, they are the top tier of COD League is those four teams. And hopefully we get to see more events like this in the coming weeks because like I said, the Dallas lineup is really good. Chicago's is really good too. Like Chicago and Atlanta are uh, are in the same group out there in Chicago, and Dallas and Chicago are back to back weekends. 
Like you get you get basically a month right in a row after this two week break between between this coming weekend at Dallas. So after two weeks off, you get four weeks right in a row. Dallas, Chicago, Florida, Seattle are all back to back to back to back. And that's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun stretch because that's uh, that's a lot of good teams that are hosting events. That's that's three really good teams hosting events. And then Seattle, who have two of the good teams coming out there with them. And London and Paris are going to be there, too. And who knows how good Optic will be by then. Because if they keep building on what they did this weekend, they'll be near the top of the league. Like they'll be between like five and eight. They'll be the the second four. I'm I'm pretty confident in that if they play like they did this weekend over the next couple events they're at. Like I'm really excited for the rest of this COD League season because every event has been better than the one before it. Like launch weekend was great because it just gave you a taste of what the season was going to be. London was kind of chalky other than, you know, London kind of uh, messing with the system a little bit, almost beating Dallas and Paris, almost beating Chicago. But London was a little chalky. Atlanta, you got your first like major upsets with Florida reverse sweeping Chicago in the semis. That was insane. And Atlanta pulling off the reverse sweep in their semis against Minnesota too. Like that was just nuts. This weekend, this past weekend, you had more of the coming out parties from other teams who have cemented themselves at the elite level. And I can only imagine what's going to happen in two weeks in Dallas. Because if Dallas wins in front of their home crowd and that's back-to-back event championships, they're going to be riding pretty high through, like, the middle stretch of the season. And that that could be a lot of momentum that helps carry them the rest of the way through the end of June and into the playoffs. Like, that's going to be really interesting if they can come out with the win in a couple weeks in Dallas. I'll I'll preview it a little bit more when we get closer because there will probably be Roster changes to some of these teams, probably Toronto, maybe Seattle, uh, and maybe Gorillas between now and then. But as of right now, I'm thinking either Dallas or Chicago or Dallas, Minnesota is your final. And Dallas and Chicago would be a really fun rematch of London now that Dallas is very much playing to their potential. Because they, they've been stumbling a little bit. Not anymore. They looked really good this weekend. And I hope they can keep it going. Because it's not fun just having two really elite teams. Having four in a league of 12, that's a pretty good number. So I hope you can they can stick with that for the rest of the season. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to Dallas. I hate that it's a two-week wait, though. I really hate that it's a two week wait. It'll be worth it. But it's gonna it's gonna be kind of rough in the meantime. Well, there's college basketball between now and then, so I'll probably be okay. But that is it for another 
amazing episode of the mashup hope you all enjoyed hope you all enjoyed whatever it was you watched this weekend whatever you're gonna watch the rest of this week between now and the next show and next show i'll give you my opinion of the new Warzone mode which as i'm recording this drops tomorrow morning if you're listening to this when it comes out it is probably already out and i hope you're enjoying it i'll have my opinion of it on friday's show because i will pretty much be playing it non-stop between uh, its release and when i record the next show but i hope you all enjoyed hope you all enjoyed everything this amazing past weekend had to offer and i will talk to you guys on friday and like i say every week if you want to support the show more share it around on social media tell your friends leave a good review on whatever platform you use whatever you want to do to support the show i would really appreciate it if you want to take it a step further and donate on patreon i would really appreciate that but like i said enjoy your week everybody and i will talk to you on friday i will see you then